You're listening to Rabbi Arya Wolby, Director of Torch, the Torah Outreach Resource Center of Houston. This is the Jewish Inspiration Podcast. Welcome back to the Jewish Inspiration Podcast, to Project Self. It is wonderful to begin my week again with everyone, and today we're going to discuss a very important topic, uh, that is the topic of fear, yir'ah, the trait of yir'ah, having proper fear and perspective. So we'll discuss this in greater detail throughout the class, but I want to begin with a very, very brilliant idea on this week's Torah portion. So in this week's Parsha, we see really a remarkable, remarkable story. This We just read this yesterday in the Torah reading, and it was about that Pharaoh dreamt for two years and our sages explain that he dreamt for two years the exact same dream. It reoccurring every night, he had the same exact dream of the seven cows and the seven stalks, and each were eaten by a weaker. It's, it's sort of like bizarre, this dream that Pharaoh had for two years. And each day, each time our sages tell us he forgot the dream as soon as he woke up. So he had a dream. He forgot the dream. He had a dream again, forgot the dream for two years. And then finally comes the time where he remembers the dream after he wakes up. And then he's looking for clarification of this dream. And uh, Joseph is brought to to uh, interpret the dream. So the obvious question is, why did he need to dream this dream for two years? So our sages tell us, and this is something we discussed last week, that Joseph was punished for two years, to be in prison for two years because he lacked the proper trust in the Almighty. He lacked the proper reliance on the Almighty and therefore he was punished. He said two words. He said to the, to the butler when he returned back to the, uh, to the, to the palace, he says to him, just remember me. These two words, remember me, right? When you go back to the palace, if the king needs anything, I, you remember me. That was a lack of trust in the Almighty. And the Almighty therefore punished him for two more years. Now, at any moment that he would have in those two years, that he would have recognized, that he would have acknowledged that error and put his reliance only on the Almighty, at that moment, he would be pulled out. And therefore, Pharaoh dreamt those two years of dreams every single night, waiting for the moment that Joseph will acknowledge and recognize that everything is from the hand of the Almighty. And as soon as that will happen, he immediately will get pulled out of that prison prison sentence. It's an unbelievable thing. So we, we, we need to understand that the opportunities that come to us, Joseph was missing an opportunity every single day of getting out of prison because he lacked that little level of trust in the Almighty. The minute he was able to attain that trust at the level that was required for him, boom, he was out. And he was out in a moment. In a flash, he was out. But he needed to attain that level of trust in the Almighty. Our sages teach us, and that's not the topic of today's class, but we'll get to it as well in our series here. But our sages tell us that the more one is reliant on the Almighty, the less what we call hishtadlut, the less effort they need to put forward. Meaning, if a person is at the level where they have 100% 
trust in the Almighty, they can sit at home and it'll come. In fact, there's a story. This was a story at the time of the, of the Baal Shem Tov. There was an individual who heard the Baal Shem Tov, the great Hasidic master, talk about this idea that if a person has 100% trust, then they have nothing to fear and the Almighty will take care of everything for them. So the, the, uh, this individual uh, couldn't believe it and he was a very innocent, very innocent person. And he says, um, I, I believe with a, with a full faith that the Almighty will provide for me. And that's it. So he sold his cow. He sold all of his animals. He sold his, his business. He sold his wagon. He sold everything because now he's being completely reliant on the Almighty. And as he got a promise from the Baal Shem Tov, he does not need to, to work anymore on his, uh, on his, on his livelihood because the Almighty will provide for him. So his wife is not so comfortable with this. And his wife says, uh, you know, maybe it's time for you to get, get a job. You get a real job. You know, instead, he says, no, I heard from the Baal Shem Tov that as long as a person has full trust in the Almighty, his livelihood will come. So the person he sold his business to, he sold his, his wagon to, he sold his horse to, he sold all of his, what was his business, this individual? He would take rocks from the mountains and he'd bring them to people who were, who were building houses and they'd build their houses with these rocks. One day, this person who bought the business from this Jewish, Jewish gentleman, he's you know, taking rocks from the mountain and he discovers a cave. And in that cave is an unbelievable treasure. An unbelievable treasure. Now, back at the home of this Jew, right, his wife is quetching to him, telling him, you know, we already used up the money for the horse. We used up the money for the wagon. We used up the money from the business. And now, how are we going to support the family? He says, don't worry. The Baal Shem Tov said that if we just trust in the Almighty, we have nothing else to worry. And he goes back to the study hall and he studies Torah and he studies Torah more and he studies Torah more. Where is this food going to come from? The Almighty will provide. The Almighty will provide. Sure enough, an incredible thing happened. This non-Jew who bought the business from him takes this treasure out of the cave that he found in the mountain and he puts it on the wagon behind the horse. He goes back into the cave to look for more treasures and sadly the cave caved in on him and he died inside the cave. The horse is waiting and waiting and waiting and its master doesn't come. So where does he go back to? He starts going home. He doesn't know what he has in the back of his, of his wagon. He goes back home. He goes back home to where? To his original owner. The place he was so familiar with. And suddenly comes his horse and the wagon with a crate in the back, a chest filled with gold coins. This person was rewarded, obviously, rewarded for his trust in the Almighty. Giving 100% trust. It's not easy for us in our generation to give all of our trust in the Almighty because today we have, and we, we mentioned this many times in the past couple of weeks, what does it say on the dollar bill? What does it say on every single U.S. coin? In God we trust. I think it's, it's, it's a divine reminder that we should not put our trust in our money. We should not put our trust in our insurance policies. We should not, and we shouldn't, by the way, put our trust in a vaccine. We put our trust in the Almighty. We put our trust in the Almighty. Only the Almighty can protect us. 
Only the Almighty. You know, it's funny because I, I like to ask questions when I meet people. I talk to people about their businesses, about their lives, about their, about, you know, I ask, I asked an individual who has a very, he had a very, very successful business. I asked him, I said, tell me, when you wake up in the morning, do you know where your clients are going to come from? Do you know where your next deal is going to come from? And, he, and his answer was honest. He says, I have no idea. I have no idea. Every morning I come in and there's orders waiting for me on the fax machine or in the email inbox. No idea where, where his livelihood's going to come from. But for 30 years, he's never missed a day where the orders were waiting. As he gets into the office at 8 a.m., boom, his orders are waiting for him. Where do they come from? Well, you can invest in marketing and you can invest in all of these things. But at the end of the day, a person who really understands knows that everything comes from the Almighty. That's talking about the, sh- the person who shines the shoes and the person who cuts the hair and the person who fixes the telephones and then the person who, who installs your internet at home. Each one of them, you know where their livelihood comes from? We say this every day. We say this every time we, we thank the Almighty after we, we, after we eat bread. We have a grace after meals. We have the benching. We have the thanking of the Almighty. Right? The Almighty is the one who gives, provides livelihood to every single person. You know, it's a very interesting thing. The halacha says that a person who says mituvo from the goodness of the Almighty is considered, considered a heretic. You have to say bituvo. Why? What's the difference? Bituvo means in the goodness of God, not from the goodness of God, because God has no limits. If you're ta- saying that you get benefit from from the goodness of God, then you're sort of taking some of God's goodness to yourself. You're you're taking of a limited resource. No, we're completely consumed by God's goodness. Bituvo hagadol, tamid lo There's never a shortage. There's never a lacking. The Almighty is always taking care of us. And God always provides the cure to every illness, to every challenge God provides the cure for it. The Jewish people in the land of Canaan were facing, the whole world was facing a a famine, but God made it so that the land of Egypt had a solution. Why did God make it? Oh, because God had to get the Jewish people to get into a land where they're going to be enslaved, where they're going to need to be in exile. They're going to need to be challenged because they, because as a Jewish people, now 3,300 years since our exodus from Egypt, we need to know what it means to have pain and to have compassion for other people. As the leaders of the world, as the chosen nation, God wants us to feel what it's like to be at the bottom of the barrel. So God first gave us that experience. He gave us that experience so that we know that when we're going to be the leaders of the world, we know how to treat people properly. So even when Iran has uh, an earthquake, who's the first nation to offer aid? Israel. Now it's immediately declined. But why would Israel offer assistance to its arch enemy? Because we know what it means to be at the bottom We know what it means to be neglected by other nations. We know what it means to be in a place of total annihilation. We know what what that means. So we give that compassion to other nations. Even nations who declare every day 
every waking moment. It's an amazing thing. You know, what do we say every morning when we wake up? We say, Thank you, Almighty God, Creator of heaven and earth. Thank you for bestowing right, your mercy upon us and restoring our soul within us and believing in us. You believe in us. You give us another opportunity. You give us another chance, another day to grow and to thrive and, and to do amazing things. You know what the Iranians say every morning? With God's will, we should be able to destroy the Zionists. Right? With God's will, we should be able to remove Israel from the face of the, this earth. That's what they declare every day. And yet, when they are in trouble, who do, who's immediately the first to rush to their, to their aid? The Jews. Why? Because we know what it means to be at the bottom. So God didn't just randomly throw us into exile in Egypt. God put us there so that in order for us to have the tools of leadership, we need to know what it means to be enslaved. We need to know what it means to have persecution and what it means to have annihilations and what it means to have gas chambers and what it means to have concentration camps. We need to know what it means so that we can have mercy and pity on the world. So when, the, when there is a situation, whether it be Darfur, whether it be any place else in the world, it's the Jews who stand at the forefront saying, we're not going to let this happen. So that, that's what we, we, just as an introduction, finishing off from last week's Torah portion, Miketz, where Joseph was lacking in his full trust in the Almighty, which is why he stayed for two more years. The moment, the moment that Joseph said, I trust in the Almighty. I know everything's from Hashem. It's not from my own abilities. It's not from my own talent, my own skills, my own uh, capabilities. It's all from Hashem. Ah, boom. Pharaoh remembers his dream. He needs someone to interpret it. And what happens? They pull Joseph from the cellar. And in no time, he's in the king's palace, becomes viceroy. Very identical to the Purim story. The Purim story, you have Mordechai, who's at the, you know, he's wearing sackcloth and ashes, right? He's, he's mourning that the Jewish people are about to be annihilated on the 13th day of Adar. And what happens? He goes from the lowest all the way to the highest in no time. And the enemies of the Jewish people, Haman, goes from the highest to the lowest in a moment as well. Just one, one other very, very quick analogy is that there was a, a story told, again, about this idea of put, putting our trust in the Almighty, putting our, our faith only in Hashem. Of course, we have to put forward our efforts, but not to think that our efforts... I'm going to share a story about my father. May he live and be well and healthy, together with my mother. My mother is here on, on our Zoom call, so uh, it's, it's, uh, it's an honor to have my mother here. So my father used to travel frequently to Detroit, to many places around the country to sell. My father was a classic peddler. My father would have diamonds. He would have jewelry that he would go from shop to shop and work very, very hard. As many times he'd leave on a Sunday night, come back on a Thursday night or on a Friday morning. And he'd work all week and he would constantly go from door to door trying to find clients who he would sell his, his gems to. And the question, if you'd ask my father how was business, he says, there's food for Shabbos. That was always his, his phrase. There's enough food for Shabbos. That's the goal. One week, my father travels, and he comes back at the end of the week. And we always ask him, no, how was your trip? And he says, I'll tell you, 
I went, I knocked on doors like I do every single week, and nobody bought anything. Nothing. Nothing. What are you going to do? He says, everything's in the hands of Hashem. My father would tell us stories on Shabbos at the Shabbos table that would instill this knowledge that the Almighty is in charge of everything. We have to put forward our efforts, but the results come from the Almighty. So Friday afternoon, my father's sitting in his office, you know, just logging all of the meetings that he had and all the people he spoke to and who said, call me in two weeks, call me in two months, call me in three months, call me in, th- in, in six weeks, call everyone, you know, logging all of the meetings that he had. And he gets a phone call, a random phone call from someone he didn't go to solicit his business. Someone just calls him and says, I need this and this parcel. I need this and this. And everything he potentially could have sold the entire week was sold with one phone call that came out of no place. And my father repeated, he says, we need to put our efforts forward. Where the results come from, that's not our business. That's the Almighty's business. I went from here to this store, to that store, to that store, to that store, go to here, go everywhere, wherever I need to go. But where the results come from, they don't come from our efforts necessarily. They come from where the Almighty wants it to come from. And we, we have to remember this idea that how many times, how many people do we know collectively that went to university and got a degree in journalism or got a degree in, 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 uh, in, 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 in law and turns out they have their livelihood comes from a totally different place. They don't utilize one iota of their degree for anything that they support their family with. Because we have to put our efforts forward. We do the best we can. And then the results are not in our hands. The Mishnah tells us a very important fundamental principle. It says, Lo alecha amlacha ligmor. Your job is not to get, uh, to attain perfection. Your job is not to finish the product. But you're not allowed to stop pursuing it. You have to try with every ability that you have to get things done. Is it going to succeed? Maybe yes, maybe no. But you're not allowed to stop trying. We have to continue to try and put our efforts forward in every step of our way. There's a story that was told of an individual who was uh, very, very thirsty. And he's three days he was looking for water and he's looking for water and he's very, very thirsty. So he goes to his, his uh, spiritual leader, the Rebbe, and he tell, tells his Rebbe, I'm th- so thirsty. Does anybody have water? So he says, you're asking me? He says, ask the Almighty for water. The Almighty will get you water. She so says, the Almighty can help. I mean, I'm sitting here in, 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 this, in this building. I'm sitting here. Who can help me? So uh, he says, put your trust in the Almighty. He says, fine, I put my trust in the Almighty. Three days I haven't had water. His lips are parched. He needs to drink. Please, does anybody have one? Nobody has one. Put, put your trust in Hashem. So he says, fine, Hashem, I'm putting my trust only in you. I'm putting my trust only in you. A few moments later, someone comes running in to the, to, to, the, to the place. And he says to this individual, he says, I lost my horse. Can you find my horse? My horse has been missing for three days. Three days. He says, sure, I'll help you find your horse, but do you have some water? He says, of course I have water. Here, take water. So he got his water and he helped the individual find his horse. He goes back to the Rebbe. He says, why did he have to be missing his horse for three days also? He said, because Hashem made it that he will be desperate to find his horse exactly at the moment that you needed water. And at the moment that you will put your reliance only on Hashem is the moment he'll come and be revealed to you. So he's been waiting to find his horse for the exact amount of time that you 
needed to put your trust in Hashem. The moment you put your trust in Hashem, boom, He came to find you and ask you for help in the horse and to give you the water that you needed. We have to remember that there's a big picture here. There's a very, very big picture where the Almighty is planning out every step of our lives. But it's up to us how much we put our reliance on the Almighty. And the more we put our reliance on the Almighty, the more we'll see His hand, the more we'll see His kindness, the more we'll see His his compassion and His love for us. But we have to be willing to be in the Almighty's hands. You see, we're in a world today where everyone has this concept, and we grow up in the United States and in many other countries, like a show-me-the-money type of attitude. It's all, the only thing people trust is money. It's a, it's a frightening thing that people people today have something called, I'm sure you've heard this before, all of, all of us, it's called financial security. What's financial security? Financial security is that if, God forbid, one day when I'm retired and I, God forbid, get ill, how am I going to be able to pay my medical expenses? So I have a, 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 I have financial security. I'll have insurance and insurance on that insurance and insurance on that insurance so that if one goes bankrupt, then the other one will be able to cover it and then the other one will be able to cover it if that one goes bankrupt, right? People have this idea that they need to have financial security because what's going to be if I don't have it? Oh, I might be in God's hands. No, 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 no. I need to see it. And that's a big mistake because what we're doing essentially is taking ourselves out of a godly life. We're taking ourselves out of an existence where we are reliant on the Almighty. You know, there's an amazing, there's an amazing thing. It says in our prayers, we say a, a special uh, psalm, which is Tihilali David, a praise of King David. And it begins with a different, from a different psalm, which is Ashrei Yoshrei Vetecha. Those praiseworthy are those, praise are those who sit in your uh, dwellings. Those who learn Torah, those who pray to you, those who rely on you. The halacha says something very interesting. The halacha says that anyone who says that prayer twice a day is guaranteed that he is a Ben Olamaba. He is a resident of the world to come. What's so unique about that? One psalm that we say, I believe it's Psalm 145. That psalm guaranteed that you're a resident of the world to come. So I want to share with you two brilliant ideas that I heard recently about this thing. Number one is when we end off, we say, And we will praise the Almighty. Hallelujah. From now and forever, Praise be the Almighty. Our sages tell us, we say me'ata from now. And when we say the ashray twice or three times a day, what we're saying is we can restart again right now. Me'ata. From right now, we can start over. Yeah, it could be yesterday was not so great. Me'ata v'adolam. From right now, I can restart everything. We have to remind ourselves that at every moment in our lives, we can always restart. I'll tell you an amazing thing. I think I mentioned this in one of the classes recently. Right now, this coming week's Torah portion is Vayigash. And next week is going to be Vayichi. And then we're done with the book of Genesis. And we start the book of Shemos. Shemot, right? Which is the book of Exodus. Our sages tell us that the book of Exodus is the, the, the name in Hebrew. Shemot is also the acronym for Shnayim Mikra Ve'echa Targum. 
that we read twice the verses of the Torah and once the translation of Unculus, which is the Aramaic translation of the Torah. And it's a special omen, it's a special powerful blessing that we bring into our week when we say, when we say the reading of the Torah portion twice in the regular Hebrew and once in the Aramaic translation. Very special, very powerful. So it's telling us that when we begin the book of Exodus, it's an opportunity for us to begin also the two times that we read the Torah portion and once the translation. Shouldn't that begin in Genesis? Shouldn't that begin in the beginning of Bereshit when we started 12 weeks earlier? After Simchat Torah, we begin the beginning of the book of Genesis. Shouldn't that be where we start saying the, the twice the Hebrew and once the Aramaic? Once the translation, shouldn't that be where we, where we begin? It's coming to tell you that it's never too late to start over. If you missed the first 12 weeks, guess what? The second, the second book of the Torah is where you can begin as well. Me'ata, from now, is a new beginning. We can start all over again. But something else I want to share with you, which connects to what we mentioned previously. Trusting in the Almighty. You know, in this Psalm 145 of Ashrei, it's very interesting that it goes in alphabetical order. It starts with Aleph, the second verse begins with a Bet, and then the third begins with a Gimel, and it goes through the whole Aleph Bet, except for the letter Nun is missing. The letter Nun is missing. There is no verse with the letter Nun with, that begins with the letter Nun. Why is it missing? Our sages explain to us, because Nun is referring to Noflim, those who have, or those who are who are, uh, who are impoverished, those who are poor, those who are lacking means. And that we have to understand that people who are lacking means are not on their own. God embedded it already, already found a solution. We're in the next verse. So may Hashem lechol hanoflim. God already has assisted. He has found a way to assist those who have fallen. So before you have someone who's poor, you already have someone who is there to support them. There was a group of very, very wealthy individuals who met with the leading Torah sage of our generation. Uh, he was traveling. He came to the United States, Rabbi Aaron Leib Steinman. He came from Israel, the holy rabbi, the leader of the Jewish people, a sage, a Torah scholar, a, just an unbelievable person, a gentle, kind person, perfect in his midot, in his traits, so these individuals had an opportunity to meet with him, and they're all very, very affluent people. And they say to him, Rabbi, don't you think there are too many yeshivas? There are too many institutions? I mean, we get bombarded with requests for donations nonstop. We're getting requests one after another after another. So many needy organizations. Maybe we should consolidate. Maybe we should have less yeshivas. We should have less institutions. We should have less things that, that you know, that there's so many institutions to support. So the rabbi smiles and turns to them and he says, perhaps don't you think that to too many millionaires, Maybe there are two, right? And he explained, he says such an amazing thing. He says, each and every one of you became successful with your, with your financial abilities before the yeshivas were opened, before these institutions were opened. Why? So that you have what to support. God only gave you the money so that it should be already there to support these institutions. 
God doesn't create it. There, we, we see this in the Talmud that God created poor people so that the people who are capable have who to support. So that we have the ability to do a mitzvah. So we have the ability to reach out and help other people. If God wants in one moment, there could be no more poor people. But then you, who would you give money to? Who would you support? Who would you be selfless in giving and being dedicated and being charitable? You would imagine if all your institutions didn't need your money. Your synagogues had enough money. They had, you know, $50 billion in their endowment fund. And you worry, you think about uh, all of the organizations that you know, great organizations. The Federation doesn't need your money. The JCC doesn't need your money, right? The synagogue is already taken care of. And, you know, you think of, you know, Torch and all of the other wonderful organizations out there. They all have flush with money. And now who are you going to support? What are you going to do with your money? You're not going to have a way to be a giver. It's not a way to live life. So God makes it that there's always someone who's in need so that you should be able to give. We think it's just the opposite. Oh, another person fetching to me about their situation. Another person who needs help. Guess what? The only reason God gave you is so that you should give. I, I shared this before multiple times, but in the introduction to, I believe it's Parshas Kitavo. In, this is in Deuteronomy. Uh, one of the great commentators, the Rebbeinu Bachia, says an amazing thing. He says, I want you to know that when someone comes to ask you for charity, they really are not asking you for charity. You know who's really doing the ask? The Almighty God, Creator of heaven and earth, is really masquerading behind that person and asking you and testing you whether or not you're going to be selfless and dedicated, whether you're going to be compassionate, whether you're going to be helpful, whether you're going to hear them out, whether you're going to be you know, sensitive to their needs. My grandfather would say in the portion of Vayichi, which is coming up in two weeks. Next Shabbos, we're going to be reading the portion of Ayachi, which is the final portion of the book of Genesis. We say over there, we see that Jacob blesses all of his children. And he talks to one of his children and he gives him the blessing, Lubin Shinayim Icholov. You should, your teeth should be white from milk. The grandfather explains, he says, you know what that really means? That when a poor person comes to you, more than he wants the white of the milk, he wants the white of your teeth. He wants your smile. He wants your graciousness and your kindness. He wants your sympathy. He wants you to hear him out. More than he wants your money, more than he wants your food, he wants to see your love. I had a student of mine who came to me and told me, Rabbi, when people come to my door, I take out 10 bucks, 20 bucks, however much I can give them. I put it out the door and I close the door. I said, why would you do that? He says, I don't want to waste their time. I don't want to waste their time. Let them go to the next person and get more money. This is it I can give them. I said, but that's not the objective of, of charity. The objective of charity is not money. That's the mistake people make. The Almighty will provide for them. It's not the money. It's the test in how you treat other people, in showing your love, your compassion, your sensitivity for another person. That is the test. If you give them no money, but you open up your door and you welcome them into your house and you say, 
how can I help you? What's your situation? Talk to me. And they tell you about their family and they tell you about their illnesses and they tell you about whatever the tragedy or whatever the organization's needs are, all of the things. And you sit there attentively and you say, listen, I wish I can give you a million dollars, but I don't have a million dollars. Let me give you what I can give you. I guarantee you that does more to comfort and to please the individual and to enrich them than the actual money, the amount that you write on that check. It's a whole different way of looking at how this world operates. This world, we think it's checks and balances and it's all about the money. It's not. It's not. You know what? I, my rabbi of blessed memory, of Beryl Eisenstein, who was so, so dear to me, who had such a, I had such a close relationship to him. My whole family had a, a beautiful relationship with him. So he had 13 children. He passed away as a young man. And I asked him, I said, Rebbe, I don't understand. You know, you're marrying off your children. And in Israel, when you marry off a daughter, you, it, with that daughter comes an apartment you got to buy her, right, for her new family. And that's, that's typically the standard. I said, Rebbe, how do you afford to buy for your daughter's apartments? How do you, how does that, like, he, you know, you think of, of, of the meager salary that a rabbi gets in all over the world. In Israel, it's even less. You wonder, how in the world does he have enough money to buy an apartment for each of his daughters when he marries them off? You know what he told me? The most amazing thing. He says, I have no idea. But he married every one of his children and provided every one of them with, with, with what they needed. Every single one. He writes a check and the Almighty sends away for it to be covered. And this is, he wasn't, he wasn't kidding around with me. He wasn't getting around. He writes a check and it gets covered every single time by the Almighty. How? Don't have an answer. But let me tell you something amazing. I have another amazing rabbi. And that amazing rabbi sits and learns Torah also every single day, all day. And part of his, his expenditures, right? He's an author of unbelievable books, Rabbi, rabbi Shlomo Arieli, right? It's just an amazing, amazing Torah scholar. So I asked him, I said to him, I said, Rebbe, I, I don't understand. Everywhere you go, you go with a cab. You don't take a bus. And the cabs, they add up, right? <laughs> you, you pay for one cab and another cab, another cab. Everywhere he went was only with a cab. So I said, how do you pay for this? How do you support your family, write your books, and also are able to cover this ex extra expense? Instead of taking a bus, you take a cab. So he says to me, it's a very good question. He says, please bring, bring me a Rambam, the book of Maimonides. I bring him the book of Maimonides. And he opens up to the back of the chapter that talks about Shemitah. Shemitah is the sabbatical year. And we know that there's a promise that those who work their field for six years and rest on the seventh are guaranteed there's a biblical promise that they won't be lacking. Their sixth year will be a triple crop. It'll be enough for the sixth year, for the seventh year, and the eighth year. It's a promise in the Torah. It's one of the uh, proofs that the Torah can only be a God-given document. Because Mo Moses can't give such a promise. No prophet can give such a promise. But today, 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 in the land of Israel, anybody who has a field has the same exact promise that if they rest their field on the seventh year, they will have a triple crop on the sixth year, to last for the sixth, seventh, and eighth year, till they get things back to normal. Unbelievable promise, right? Rambam continues. 
And he says that anybody who sits and learns Torah and relies on the Almighty, like those who have fields, and rest from their field on the seventh year, and when those who sit and learn Torah give up on trying to make a lot of money, they give up on everything else, they just rely on the Almighty, they fall into the same exact promise that the Almighty will cover all of their expenses. Unbelievable, right? It's an unbelievable promise. Imagine if God told you a promise. Linda, listen here. You sit and learn Torah and you have nothing to worry about. I will, I will, I will sponsor your 401k, your retirement fund, your life insurance policy, put food on your table, pay off your mortgage. Would you, would you give it up? Sure. Sit and learn Torah, sit and learn with Rabbi Wolby every day. You kidding? Right? What, what could be better than that? But the problem is, is that each one of us, maybe, 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 I don't know about you, Linda, you're a holy woman, but me, I'd say, you know, but, but maybe I should do something to like ensure that, uh, you know, that, that it'll actually come to fruition. That's, that's lacking already in the faith. That's already lacking in the full trust in the Almighty. Full trust in the Almighty means I'm not even looking behind my back anymore because I, I trust one 100% that the Almighty will cover everything that I need. It says, Hashem lo kol tov. Those who pursue the Almighty will not lack anything. Those who put their full trust in the Almighty. Again, it's a higher level than just, I believe in God. I know there is a God. I'm willing to put my trust in the Almighty. And that's something which is very unique. It's something which is very special. But it doesn't only have to be with money. Money is the easiest for us to understand the challenge. But it has the same thing with our health. Does that mean that we don't get a vaccine? Does that mean that we don't go to a doctor? No. But we have to remember that the healing, the Almighty is the Rofei Chalbasa. The Almighty is the one who's the healer of all flesh. Not the doctors. Not the hospitals and not the medicines. To the degree where I believe, and I think most of you will agree with me, that most of the medicine, the medical world today doesn't even understand a micro percent of the genius of the human body. You want to know why I believe that? Because we're all excited that there's a 95% success rate with these vaccines, right? It's like, wow, 95%, that's unprecedented. If we really understood how the human body works, it would be 100%. But we don't know. So we have enough trial and error. We know that, you know, A plus B equals C. So why does A plus B equal C? I have no idea. But it does. And that's where we're holding in medicine is that we do enough trial and error, you know, in third world countries and we pay people money to do, to do trials and people have certain symptoms people don't have, right? So with enough trial and error, we come up with some conclusion. We have no idea why. Why does A plus B equal C? No idea. I think we're billions of years away from understanding the brilliance of the Almighty and His creation. We we can't even fathom the greatness of the Almighty, the wisdom of the Almighty. And we're going to put our trust in a vaccine. We're going to put our trust in a doctor. We're going to put our trust in in, in a pill or, or, or a syringe. No. We put our trust in the Almighty and we do the best we can. And if we have the opportunity to take a vaccine, We have to trust in Hashem that the vaccine will help us. But don't put your faith in the vaccine, just like we don't put our faith in the dollar bill. My dear friend here is on on the Zoom. 
So Scotty, my dear friend Scotty, Scotty's run events before, big events. And I've asked him, I said to him, I said, were there times where you're, you know, three days before the event and you're like, you're thinking to yourself like, oh my goodness, how's everything going to fall into place? And just miraculously it does. You just have to learn to let go and it'll, 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 it'll fall into place. And sometimes we feel like, oh, no, 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 I have to figure out what's, what's going to happen. What's going to happen? Relax. Take a deep breath and say, there's nothing other than the Almighty. He will help me. He'll be there. He'll protect me. He'll guide me. He'll support me. We have the ability to do this every single day of our lives. Trust in Hashem in everything that comes up. I'll tell you an amazing other verse. It says, those who trust in Hashem, those who put their trust in Hashem, and they rely on Hashem. Hashem will take care of it. Have no worries. Chesed They'll be encircled with kindness. They'll be completely consumed by kindness. And that's the level we hope to get to. So we didn't even touch the topic we wanted to talk about, but we got so carried away with other amazing uh, discussions that um, we're gonna we're gonna end this here to our listeners in the Jewish Inspiration Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope you join us again next week. And shalom from Texas. You've been listening to the Jewish Inspiration Podcast, a Torch production. Become a supporter at torchweb.org because your assistance enables more Torah learning around the globe. To find more lessons offered by Torch please visit torchpodcast.com.